This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm in hot. This is Good, Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always. You know, you usually laugh when I when I say it. That's why I say it like that. It's my yeah. favorite way to say it. Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston across the crusty pay table. Hey, hey it's a nice-looking table, man. Actually, Good job. Uh, interesting personal story for everyone before we <laughs> jump into this. Okay. Is... Uh, my wife and I took the little one over to Lucky Lad Farms here next to uh, close here and close by Nashville here in Tennessee. And uh, what do you know? To turn the turn on the road was a crusty pay lake catfish lake. How about that? A, a crusty a crusty pay catfish lake. Did you have any catfish? No. Okay. No, we stopped at the farm before we got to the gotcha to the water. I haven't had any fried fish in a while. That actually sounds pretty good. Hmm. Hey, this and is Good so, Morning Liberty, by the way. We do a show called Good Morning Liberty, where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want it's to. It's all pointless. Go. <laughs> it's all pointless. <laughs> it's never going to work. Never going to help anything. Yeah. But we'll all feel good while the ship's going down. That is the whole thing. We can be negative until Wednesday, then we have to be positive, and then we'll switch back into negativity mode mm-hmm. once again. So mm-hmm. uh, you want to make sure you listen on Wednesday for White Pill Wednesday when we lie for an hour <laughs> no um we got some stuff to uh yeah we're the <laughs> we're the violinist on the titanic exactly That's what we are just trying to make everyone feel better as the ship's going down you do the math you guys do the math on that so make sure you smash that follow button hey a lot of people listened and they went and subscribed on youtube mm, which hot is damn great. i am happy that they did that but i'm unhappy about all the people who didn't go do that and mm. so that is the part I'm going to focus on right now is the unhappiness. Is the, neg- the negative. The negative part. Yeah. That's what we have to worry about is the negative part for sure. Okay, this is going to be a nice, positive show. A- no, it's not. Let's talk about someone who just died, Colin Powell. <laughs> that's gone. That's sad. Gone at the age of 84. I don't, I am against death. Colin Powell. Severely against death. Mm. Okay. You guys will remember Colin Powell. He was in there during the Bush administration. Now I've seen all types. Well, he's of, been in there for a long time. He's been there for a while. It yeah. was. He was the uh, the Secretary of State, I believe, when Bush was the president. So I'll go ahead and read some of the stuff from the Washington Post here, and then we'll talk about some of the stuff I've seen online. Now we've obviously got some criticisms, of course, because of that whole war fiasco that we that we went through and then there's some stuff that i've noticed people doing today that just doesn't make a lot of sense and kind of hurts the message overall but colin powell well look he was a good you know he had a good life 84 you know he seemed like he was actually a a a pretty good guy i think he felt bad about the whole lying us into war Mm -hmm. thing and he and I, i think he i think he did feel bad about that now does that 
matter that you feel bad about doing something terrible afterwards? I don't know. I guess it does matter. Maybe your heart changed afterwards. Mm. But hey, let's say uh, let's say a little bit about him. Colin Powell, who helped guide the U.S. military to victory in the 1991 Persian Gulf War as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he said he struggled for a decade later over the U.S. invasion of Iraq as a beleaguered Secretary of State under George W. Bush. He died on October 18th at 84 years old. Now, what I've noticed that's really interesting today is all of the media attention I've seen has focused on him feeling bad about that, has focused on him leaving the Bush administration and talked about all that. But I feel like if he wouldn't have left the Bush administration, all of the obituaries would have been very different today. Like if he wouldn't have endorsed Obama in in 2008, then everything would have been a whole lot different. But Maybe not. Oh, they would have been glad yeah. he died. Maybe maybe not. The cause was complications from COVID-19, his family said in a statement. He had been treated at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. His family added, noting that he had been fully vaccinated. Now, here's where we get to some of the annoying stuff I've seen today. Before you go out there and say, oh, see, the vaccines don't work. He is fully vaccinated and he still died. He also had cancer. It's also pretty important. He had a multiple myeloma, I believe. Uh, his immune system was severely down. So I'm just saying if we're going to make our points about the vaccine every now and then, and we're going to talk about how we don't need to be forcing this on people, picking an 84-year-old person who also had cancer, who was vaccinated and died from COVID, and then using that to say, oh, see, the vaccines don't do anything, it's just a really bad, it's a really bad point to make. Yeah. You know, you're not really helping your cause any. And look, the data's pretty clear. If you're over 70, COVID's pretty dangerous. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's, I mean, there are things that are worse, but 5%, it's, if you look at the, at the age statistics, 5% um, chance of death if yeah. you contract COVID over 70. Uh, so that's just the, I think anybody over 70 should definitely be vaccinated. At I, least you have a better chance. I would agree with that too. Even though, you know, that, I'm not, but I'm not over 70, you know, and if I were, I would definitely be vaccinated. I'm in full support of all of my parents being and vaccinated too. As Magoo said, this Justin being 84 is a leading cause of death. Yeah, it is. He's 84. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to and, live. What do we expect everyone to go to hundred and above now? Yeah. Like what's the expectation? I mean, I'm, he shattered the average he sh- he death did. number. He's slammed right through that. What is what is it for men these days? 80, I think it's 79, 79, like 78. 80. I think it went down some yeah. actually. 79, somewhere around there. So five years. Hey, he made it past. Made it right through there. Okay, so uh, they also go in here talking about the decision to go to war with Iraq. It said throughout 2002, General Powell, Powell continued trying to slow the march to war with Iraq, warning Bush in a meeting in August that an invasion could destabilize the Middle East and shackle the United States with a great reconstruction burden. You break it, you own it, he recalled saying. But Powell eventually threw his substantial public credibility behind the decision to to attack Iraq, agreeing to Bush's request to present the U.S. case for war to the U.N. Security Council in February 23. You know, I'm just saying it's a really weird thing they're doing, which everything is Bush made him do this. He agreed he didn't want to do this, and he agreed to Bush's request to make a 75-minute speech telling everyone that there were for sure WMDs in Iraq, that they that they knew for sure that they were in there, and that, that Saddam Hussein would be able to imminently use them. And, and so, listen... 
Uh, when you find out that someone died, obviously you look over their life. We weren't talking about Colin Powell last Friday, so it's obviously not that uh, a huge part of our lives right now. I just think the media attention is, uh, it's it kind of tells you how they treat you differently depending on what your what you eventually led towards. Right, like, and it's like a lot of people are like, well, you know, the founders, when they were dying, freed their slaves. Yeah. Like when they were on their deathbed, they, you know, they had their consciousness and it doesn't excuse the fact that the slavery occurred, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. still occurred. So that's, that's a bad argument that people use a lot as well. Um, it's the same thing in this situation. Of course, um, you can't go back and change it. So your only, your only course of action then is, is a remorse mm -hmm. and an apology and I, and I think he did. He he ended up resigning, I, I think, right at, right at the end of Bush's first term. And I do think that that had a lot to do with it. I, I think he he knew that he had lied about that. He felt bad going along with what the administration wanted. And that's why I still come out with the idea that he's probably uh, probably was a pretty good person. But mm -hmm. I don't know him. I, I really don't know him. So I can't really make that judgment. Yeah. And the, what Joe says here, his job was to advise the president, but carry out the orders. He did his job. And this is one of the problems, by the way, with just carrying out orders is, because it's your job. That is why I put the story in there. Yes. Thank you for going there. Yes. And so that the um, there's a line between doing your job and morality. Mm -hmm. um, that's a that's a big thing. You can't just say, "Oh well, I was ordered to do it." You know, it's just just like um, when people break the Constitution all the time. It's like, well, you know, that's what my boss told me to do. It's like, well, no, you know, you took an oath to uphold the constitution. Tell your boss to go himself to me. It's or just herself. It's a bigger issue with the, with the government in general and with the executive branch in, in general that you have, you have people that are in these positions of power where you're supposed to trust what they're saying. And it turns out he didn't actually want to go to war with Iraq, but he was willing to go make a 75 minute speech on behalf of the president making the case that there were for sure WMDs in Iraq. And that's just really the, the problem. Like who's, who's running the country? Who can you ever trust? Can you actually trust what anyone inside the government is saying? And the answer is no. Most of the time I would say it's no. So anyway, that would be the time to resign. Be like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. He, I will tender my resignation. He resigned shortly after, yeah. after we were in the war. So yeah. Anyway, uh, my main thing was uh, don't make the vaccine argument, please. Just don't make the... He was 84 and he had cancer. If you're fighting for vaccine hesitancy, <laughs> then, yeah. then it's just a really... That's not the side of the argument that you want to be on. Make better... Find better cases where this has happened if I'm you're going to do that. I'm going to debate Bizzle a little bit here okay. which because he says, unfair if the job is going to get done. Wouldn't you rather have someone running it responsibly? And he says, say Colin Powell resigns, cool, next man in does it. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Yeah. But what I'm talking to every person that listens to this podcast, I'm talking to each of you individually when I say, you're the one that has to make the decision and, and, and lay in bed with it at night. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't, what I'm saying to you is don't be Colin Powell where later on, he says that it remained, it remained a blot on his career, which was painful for him to accept. You know, you want to, one of the biggest goals you should have for yourself is when you get to that point where you know you're, you're going on to the afterlife or whatever you believe in, 
is to, is to look back and have as few regrets as possible, right? That you did everything in your power that you could possibly do to create the life that you wanted for yourself and your family and that you minimized the mistakes because you stuck to your principles and your morality. Because when you go against that, that's the thing that's going to haunt you the most. It's like, man, I wish I had more time to, to make different decisions. Well, uh, and my hope would be that, yeah, I know it wouldn't make a big deal. Like if he was like, I'm not going to go make this speech. I'm going to resign. And then of course, next man up, next man up does the same thing, right? They go make the speech. Your hope would be for a, uh, for a unifying principle that for each individual to have these principles and for the next man up to say, they're not going to do it either. And then he resigns. And well, for somebody as respected, not do it either. somebody as respected as Powell was to resign and say, Hey, I'm not going to do that. That sets a precedent, right? You can look to that person as an example to be like, wow, he cares about his principles and morality more than he does just following the order. You know, it's not about doing what your boss tells you to do. Yeah. And, and look, there's some, there's some respect and honor in, in obviously being loyal um, but at the same time, when it breaks your when it breaks your principles, you can't be loyal. And what Jeff says right here, weak men. What's that quote? That um, good times leads to weak men, and weak men leads to weak men are weak. That's what I've always said. Yeah, there's a yeah. saying that's like hard time leads to strong men, strong men lead to good times, good time leads to weak men. Yeah, weak men leads to hard times, hard I times lead to strong men. So. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I know that the same, I know that someone's going to fill the position that is still just going to do the same thing afterwards. But if the good, if the good men or women aren't going to resign and make a, make a stink when this happens, then how we ever expect anyone to ever do it? Like just to go, well, I'll do it because the next person would do it anyway. Like we're, that's how we get in the situation mm -hmm. that we're in right now. And so you, if, if, if those people have to resign and tell the media why they resigned and tell everyone else why, the, if Colin Powell resigns and says, I'm resigning because they want me to say that Iraq has WMDs and they don't have any, that would have made a big deal in 2003 if he would have done that. Yeah, then we probably wouldn't have gone would have to been war. pretty important yeah. for him to resign and say, they want me to lie and say that Saddam Hussein has WMDs and I know they don't have any and I'm not going to do it. Well, when the next person makes that statement up there, maybe we don't listen to him. Maybe a million people don't die from that, you a know, man and a woman. Anyway, we'll uh, move on to the next thing. This is an interesting. I, th that was very important for me to say that. That's the segue into this next thing. <laughs> a man and a woman. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm interested in the, the idea of churches being political. And I, I've seen for a long time that uh, if church, I've, I've seen churches like they'll talk politics a little bit, but then they're worried because the IRS would take away their tax exempt status. If they push any politics, you know, you got to stay out of politics. And what I've noticed is that is uh, for sure a thing when it comes to like right wing politics, you know, mm -hmm. but what's happening right now is really weird and actually a blatant violation of the law. This is uh, coming from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben, and your contributions to our podcast. We really appreciate that. Harris to deliver video message urging uh, congruence? congregants. Congregants. I'm sorry. Congregants in 300 black churches to vote for Terry McAuliffe. McAuliffe, yeah. In, McAuliffe. In, in Virginia. Democrat Vice President Kamala Harris is set to deliver a video message to congregants in more than 300 black churches across Virginia, urging them to vote for Democrat gubernatorial, uh, 
gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe in November's election. News of the vice president plan to use churches to drive a political endorsement of a candidate caused quick backlash online, while many calling into question whether churches could lose their IRS tax exempt status. From the IRS.gov, currently the law prohibits political campaign activity by charities and churches by defining a 501c3 organization as one which does not participate in or intervene in including the publishing or uh, distributing of statements, any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for public office. So, I, but you know, when they do it, it's fine. Yeah. And my, you know, my, my bigger thing here was, um, I actually don't, I actually don't care because I don't care about church's tax exempt status because I want everyone to have a tax exempt status. Uh, the more the more annoying thing here is the hypocrisy when it becomes. I read all sorts of articles. He's read all sorts of articles today about um, about people campaigning for Trump or having Trump signs outside their churches or and people preaching like anti-vaccine stuff or whatever at their churches and and being threatened to lose their five hundred one c three and literally the vice president campaigning at 300 churches in Virginia for the person who's running. I mean, that seems to be in blatant violation. And my biggest thing is just get rid of that. Just get rid of that law. Let's get rid of the rule. Let them talk about politics if you want to. Yeah, who cares? Don't use it as a tool to stop people who are on the right from talking about politics. And then literally as the vice president decide you're going to blatantly violate the law and give a message to 300 churches to go vote for a specific person in Virginia. And nothing will happen. And yeah, no, nothing's, nothing's going to happen. Who runs the IRS? Right. Of course, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. This is, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So and I, I'm with you. The The real solution here is just get rid of the rule. Mm-hmm. That's the actual solution. Get rid of the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> that's the well, rule. That's yeah, the that's, whole solution. That's the actual solution. <laughs> if you want to go deep down, but you know, that's never going to happen. So no, it's there. All it is, is a political weapon. Like that's it. You can, you wield it towards people that are against you sometimes. And so whoever's in power, like it's okay for them to push their political agenda agenda at a, at a place that has a lot of people at it. Uh, but whoever's not in power, well, that's against the law. You I might have, lose your tax exempt. I have trouble with my agendas too. My agendas. Yeah. Yep. I hope the agenda election goes well. We'll see who's going to win. <laughs> okay. There's a, some, some pending, a pending apocalypse with the police with the police coming from some showdowns on the uh, the vaccine mandates around the country. And there's a couple egregious things in here I wanted to ask you about, but it's actually looking like exactly look actually looking like there could be a pretty big deal over this because a lot of police stations are not happy about the vaccine mandates at all. And so from CBS News, showdowns loom as police, prison guards, and airport workers resist vaccine. Wait, airport workers are resisting vaccines? Hmm. I didn't think that was happening. Police officers, prison guards, and airport security workers are among the public safety employees resisting COVID-19 vaccines with showdowns over the issue in the works as deadlines to get the shots arrive. In Chicago, the union representing 13,000 police officers is advising members to ignore a mandate from Mayor Lori Lightfoot to get vaccinated. Beetlejuice. Against COVID-19 by Friday, this was written at the end of the week last week, if officers don't get vaccinated or agree to be tested twice a week at their own expense, the city says it will suspend them without pay. Mm. And they're saying that we ain't doing it. All right. The city stands... But you know, people care about their safety more than their security. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean, it is. their liberty. Yeah. 
Well, ironically, a lot of people making a choice of the vaccine are making a choice based on safety because they think it's not safe for them to take. <laughs> so they're still picking well, safety. Mm, <laughs> over it. That's a debate we could have. <laughs> um, all I can tell you, if we respect that, if we if we suspect the numbers are true and we get a large number of our members to stand firm on their beliefs that this is an overreach and they are not going to supply the information in the portal or submit to testing, then it's safe to say the city of Chicago will have a police force at 50% or less for this weekend coming up. Which you know they could afford. <laughs> that, that, um, <laughs> It'll be fine. A little worried about Chicago right there. Oh. Uh, now, this is, also going, this is also going on in a lot of other cities around the country. It's going on in Seattle. I believe San Francisco is having the same issue. And I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see enough of a revolt from people who actually work from the government that we'll end up seeing the vaccine mandates gone away with. I'm not really sure. Now, the weird point that they make in here that's kind of annoying is that this is about police safety because so many police have died from COVID-19. And so that's actually what people don't care about here. They don't care about keeping cops safe. So they say cops lost to COVID-19. Chicago is not alone in losing cops to COVID. The virus killed more police officers nationwide last year than all other causes combined, according to data from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Now, I, list, I, I read that and I was like, what? What? More police officers last year than all other causes combined? You know why? Because they count COVID-19 as an on-the-job death. And so they don't count anything like heart disease or cancer or diabetes or anything like that. So on a list of guns and knives and anything physical or fires or car accidents, COVID-19 is on there too. And so more people die from COVID-19 from any other cause for a police officer last year. Because they changed the data. Because they changed the data to count that as an on-the-job death. It's... Ugh, it's crazy. The hesitancy to get immunized persists even after the deaths of more than 460 law enforcement officers since the pandemic began. All from COVID-19 contracted on the job. They know that for sure. It was all all from COVID-19 contracted Didn't on the go job. For their family members at home no, or anything like that. Nothing else like that. It's really weird, by the way, that number 460 out of the close to 700,000 law enforcement officers that there are out there, that's 0.07% of them that died. And what's weird is 0.2% of the American population died from COVID during that. So actually not even representing the portion of the population that died from COVID anyway. But this is all from on the job. And if they wouldn't have been on the job, then they wouldn't have got COVID. That's what we for sure know right now. Also note that's that's more than four times the number of duly uh, duty related deaths from gunfire, uh, and if we should ban guns, we should definitely ban COVID. Mm-hmm. How, why haven't they banned COVID? I don't know. That should be what's up for debate right now. Is we should get rid of COVID so that uh, it can't like cause this wreckage. Common sense COVID legislation. Yes. You mean? Okay. Yes. I'm not saying that you can't have a little bit of COVID. Okay. You just can't have the deadly version of COVID. Background checks first. Yes. Make sure that you don't have any comorbidities that would be mm-hmm. bad for you to have COVID. And you can have your COVID. Okay. Put up the signs. Mm-hmm. Says no COVID allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I got you. Well, the rest of it in here just talks about all the other cities that are having the same issue right now. What, I, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes because there are a lot of police forces around the country in really big cities that are saying they're going to be losing like half their police forces because they're refusing to get vaccinated. Hmm. And so maybe they'll end up in the uh, ending the vaccine mandates for everyone else. They might. I don't they know. Just do it. 
I don't know. The next one, Charlie, I wanted to see if your blood would boil while you were reading it. Okay. This one also came from Ben, so I appreciate it, Ben. Yes, from the Daily Wire. NYC judge blocks unvaccinated father from seeing daughter not in the child's best interests. How about that? How about that? Look, they can decide for you mm-hmm. what's what's in your best interest. Uh, Justice Matthew Cooper ruled in the divorce hearing allowing the father to visit his daughter in person while unvaccinated is not in the child's best interest, according to New York Post. The father, who was unnamed in the court's opinion, has already recovered from the COVID-19 virus. Not only that, he's already had COVID. <sighs> <laughs> here, quote, here in person, parental access by defendant is not in the child's best interest, and there are exceptional circumstances that support its suspension. Cooper wrote on October 7. My God. Um, people in divorces will use literally anything. <laughs> literally, I was going to say women, but it goes both ways. That's true. The dangers of voluntarily remaining unvaccinated during access with a child uh, while the COVID-19 virus remains a threat to children's health and safety cannot be understated. No kids are dying from this disease, by the way. Almost, almost none. The father's attorney, Lloyd Rosen, pushed back against the judge's decision. Rosen defended his client's skepticism of the COVID-19 vaccine while attacking Cooper's reasoning as unscientific. The attorney pointed out that his client already had Uh, already has natural immunity to COVID-19 from his bout with the illness. My client is not a conspiracy theorist, Rosen said. He has concerns about the vaccine. He's heard about the side effects. He once had a bad reaction to a flu vaccine. Rosen also argued that the judge's ruling was absurd and set an unrealistic precedent. That's the thing. Judges can do that. Mm -hmm. They can just do that. Quote, this judge must feel that 80 million Americans who aren't vaccinated are placing their children at imminent risk of harm, and therefore the court should intervene and remove those children from their parents. This is an absurd position to take. I mean, as a judge, that is what that is what he's saying mm-hmm. right now, that the father can't be around the kid because the father's not vaccinated. Meaning there's like a legal precedent there to say that you can't be, it's too dangerous for you to be around your kid if you're not vaccinated. Yeah. And how many people would that be? Fine to be wasted around them. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fine. No fine to have every other disease yeah. that there is. That's totally fine. Fine to not be vaccinated against all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And not not to mention the fact that COVID's barely dangerous for children. Like statistically, I know kids have died. I understand that. Statistically not dangerous. This is how important it is. All the What is it? 0.0002%? Something like that. Yeah. Of people under the age of 17 that have died from COVID. So this, the reason I wanted to talk about this, by the way, is all the annoying vaccine conversations that we have constantly. It's always because you don't know what's going to happen next, you know, and imagine being a father and going through a divorce and not being able to get your kids simply because you weren't vaccinated. That's a ridiculous thing to do. That's real life. And it's folks. real life. And and this is why we talk about all of the other all the other arguments about the vaccine and about natural immunity and about all of that. That's why this matters. I'd be so mad. Yeah. I'd be so mad. <laughs> It'd be so hard to be like, okay, now's the time to be calm and like submit an appeal and all that stuff. I'd be like, ah, I'm getting my kid and I'm leaving. Then you have an outburst and they use that against you. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. As if you're the crazy one, mm-hmm. you're the crazy one because you had a reaction 
to this madness. And then somehow you end up being labeled narcissistic. That's just the way it goes. Narcissists are the best at labeling other narcissists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or labeling others other as, people as narcissists. narcissists. Yeah. yeah. If or, someone calls someone a narcissist, normally that person's uh, a narcissist. Yes. And they're, <laughs> yeah. And they'll convince you that they'll make you question. Be like, am I one? <laughs> Typically how they work. Oh, maddening. Okay. Right. So did you see this thing from New York? They have for the vaccine mandates, they're calling it the key to NYC pass. Mm. That's what it is. Everything's Keats. locked unless you have the key, which the is a key vaccine passport. To the city. You get a key to the city, <laughs> meaning you're allowed to go into the establishments yeah. if you have a key to the city, which is the vaccine passport. <laughs> what would you expect from Mayor? Read this from de Blasio. From commie de Blasio. He said at a press conference, today I announce a new approach, which we're calling the key to NYC pass. The key to New York City. It's the golden ticket, folks. When you hear those words, I want you to imagine the notion that because someone is vaccinated, they can do all of the amazing things that are available in this city. Like see their children. This is a miraculous place, literally full of wonders. And if you're vaccinated, all of that is going to open up to you. You'll have the key. You can open the door. What the is goal happening? Here, the goal here is to convince everyone that this is the time. If we're going to stop the Delta variant, the time is now. And that means getting vaccinated right now. Not everyone is going to agree with this. I understand that de Blasio continued. It's going to guarantee a much higher level of vaccination in the city. And that is the key to protecting people and the key to our recovery. That's why it's the key to <laughs> NYC. <laughs> oh, this guy needs punched in the face. Really hard. Do you, can you imagine, uh, like, you imagine like a year ago, year and a half ago, vaccine mandates and passports were a conspiracy theory. They were. Complete conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to my wife about this and saying it was, it was last year, like middle of last year towards maybe right around a year ago. And she was like, oh, it looks like everything's getting better. And I was like, we're going to have mask mandates going on for a long time. We're going to have vaccine passports and mandates and all of that. And I'm not in, I was never in the whole, uh, you know, anti-vax Q crowd, whatever the, the right wing Bill Gates is trying to kill everyone crowd whatever, whatever that is. But I was like, this naturally, that is what politicians have to do. And the, the way that you knew that that was going to happen is because they, they adopted this stance of we needed zero COVID. There needs to be no COVID. And as a politician, what ends up happening is once you put these powers in place, once you put the mandates in place, if you remove them, people will say that anyone who dies after that is a result of you not protecting them. And that's, that will be used against you and a, the court of voting. And so I knew that it would be really hard for politicians to ever take back some of these things, because once you put that in place, when you take it away, then you become, you become, you become Greg Abbott in Texas, or you become DeSantis in Florida. You're Ron death Santos. After that, everyone that dies is your fault. And so that's just the natural progression that we are going to go through. But this was a conspiracy theory like a year ago. It was man. Probably could have, you probably would have got demonetized on Facebook for talking about that. Let's get a chant going. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Oh, I need to order a Let's Go, Brandon shirt. That's right. That'd be good. Okay. Uh, one other thing here we can go. I mean, I have my key to NYC already. You got your so key I'm to not NYC. Even worried about it. Look at that. Yeah. Giving in. You see? I did. 
It's people like me that will usher in the liberty. It's people like you <laughs> that just give in and yeah. go along with all of that. And when people stand by and do nothing, or they give in just so they can have the little pleasures in life. Well, that's how. That's how. <laughs> That's how you end up in a boxcar. It's like, like the live group that's been hating on me for the last few months, which is fine. Yeah. I'm a complacent sheep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's who I am. That's what he is. And uh, yeah, I'm he's, just. He's part of the sheeple. I'm an authoritarian shill. Yeah. On this Good Morning Liberty podcast. I've infiltrated the liberty of good morning. Yeah. So. You've never welcome. spoke out about vaccine mandates at all. Never have. Nope. That's not me. Never will, YouTube. Never will. I agree, Tom. Nate should make those shirts for everyone to purchase at goodmorningliberty.us slash shop. So many people have made Let's Go Brandon shirts. I feel like that would be theft by this time, even though oh. all of them are jumping on a... Uh, oh, please. You know, none of them came up with the saying. Just but. another way for people to support us and you're against it. That's fine. <laughs> you guys see who the real... The real... uh shill is between the two of us yep that's what it is yeah you could actually translate that's a good idea <laughs> do a google translate t-shirt <laughs> with what it actually says what it actually means we just put it like all blurred out on the shirt where you can't read it we'll just put the actual thing f just fjb this is a family program so we can't say that i don't i don't you know. know let's go brandon you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm Okay, last thing I wanted to talk about here before we go. This late breaking news today. You never knew it. Never heard of it before. Mm, the wealthiest, mm, mm. the wealthiest ten percent of Americans own a record eighty nine percent of all US stocks. Mm. You know, I tried to get in the market today and buy some shares of a stock and it was like, Nope, you can't get any. Wealthy people own this thing. Yeah. Can't have it. You're not part of the top ten percent. There's no way that you can buy this stock. From CNBC, the wealthiest 10% of Americans now own 89% of all U.S. stocks, a record high that highlights the stock market's role in increasing I'm wealth inequality. Pretty sure you're in the top 10%, though. Probably. No. The, the top 1% gained more than $6.5 trillion in corporate equities and mutual fund wealth during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Now, they don't mean during the COVID-19 pandemic. They mean from the very bottom of the market after the COVID-19 pandemic had started. They don't mean during the entire time, because that would be a less impressive figure. While the bottom 90% added 1.2 trillion. Are you saying the poor got richer too? I, that must be a typo. What? You're telling me the bottom 90% got $1.2 trillion richer during that time? That's so weird. I thought the rich had to take it from them. Huh. How did but they guess... both get... I would have assumed that the bottom 90 was minus 6.5 trillion. Yeah, they would have to be. Huh. That's hmm. weird. I'm going to have to check with Bernie on this and see what's going on. According to the latest data from the Federal Reserve, who knows about corporate equities going up because they're the ones that are buying all of them. The share of corporate equities and mutual funds owned by the top 10% reached a record high in the second quarter, while the bottom 90% of Americans held about 11% of stocks, down from 12% before the pandemic because they sold those things when they got scared. It's, uh, it's probably what actually happened. You know, I was... Uh, so At the bottom. According to, yeah, at the bottom, more than likely. Um, I was, I was looking at, I was looking at this post today on Twitter. I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick, just so I can tell you guys what someone was saying. It, it, it showed me exactly why this happens. And I think, 
I think I figured out why, and I think I probably have stalled as much as I can at telling you why. This person basically said that they were not going to get involved in the stock market because it was just gambling, that only rich people could get into it. There was no way that anyone who was uh, in the bottom could get in because they were just going to lose their money. And she said, well, my husband had a 401k and due to everything that happened through the mismanagementism over the last year or so, ended up losing all the whole thing. The gall darn mismanagement. Just mismanagementism mismanagement strikes again, Mm-mm. you know? And uh, so I posted this article and I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but if you hold the S and P, by the way, there is no 20 year period throughout the history of the stock market where if you held the S and P 500, that at the end of the 20 years, you would be down after 20 years. It has a 0% loss rate doing that. And so I posted it on here. Like that's not gambling. If you have a long-term mindset and you're working on retirement, by the way, with your 401k account, like that's not gambling, a 0% loss rate over all the history of the stock market, you know? And so this- So far. So far, you know, and and that's all I feel like we could- Subject to change. It's subject to change. We don't know for sure. You know, past performance is not indicative of future results, I guess. But what the person said was, I don't mess around with the stock market for the same reason I don't buy $500 in lotto tickets each week. I have a family to take care of. We don't have discretionary funds to gamble recklessly. That's what stops me from investing. There's no guarantee of any return. And that's exactly why the people in the top 10% are the ones that are taking in all those incomes because they're not looking for a guarantee of any return. They're taking risk, you know? And they also said, so someone said, well, they're not talking about buying GameStop, essentially what they said. They're not talking about buying AMC and holding for the for the next few years. These people are buying into big name companies. They're, they're not buying brave into the market. No, they're not doing that. And yet they're holding the line. But, uh, you know, uh, AMC moved up a little bit on Friday. That's all. I don't know what it's doing today. And yet she said, and yet it could disappear in a heartbeat. My husband had a 401k, got completely wiped out in less than a year. It is gambling. We don't do that. And that's why that person's never going to make any money Mm -mm. from their tyrant. And they'll probably complain about people who do make money from it because they're just not willing to actually take any risk. And so anyway, when you look at these stats about how the top 10% made 80, has eight or 9% of all U.S. stocks, you can get on right now and buy some shares of some stocks if you want to. It just depends on whether or not you're going to put the capital towards it and then hold it for a while. Make a smart decision and buy some. No one's stopping you from buying it. Mm-hmm. Literally. I bought no one's several you, things today. No one's stopping you from learning yeah. how to do it. Now, one thing that does, uh, one thing that does help those people once they own 89%, because there is a fixed float of share. There's a fixed amount of shares available. So the stock market is very, a very good representative of supply and demand. And so there's a fixed amount of shares that are available on the public market. And when people own 89% of those and the lowly oppressed people are trying to buy the other 11%, it's actually making the price go up higher, which is good for the people that are holding the other 89%. But it's not as if people are just buying them and then keeping them forever or anything. I mean, there's, there's millions and millions of shares trading hands every single day. Billions. Billions. That's right. Billions trading hands every day. And this article presents it as if, well, they own 89%, so you can't get any piece of it. You just can't do it. You try to get in the market right now, there's no way that anyone sh- sell you any shares. Uh, that you have new companies that join, that go mm-hmm. in and out of these funds, even if you're just doing uh, funds. 
They go in and out of the funds. Their companies can issue shares, by the way. There's not a fixed amount of shares either because they'll, they'll, they can issue more, um, which obviously brings the value of that particular stock down, uh, obviously, because then you have more supply than you do demand. That's what we do with the dollar all yeah. the time. But over time, you can build that back up. And so, yeah, and, and also they, these people clearly haven't gone to mastermytrades.com <laughs> where they can at least learn, if nothing else, you don't have to trade, but you could at least learn what the, what the financial markets are doing and how. How are all these people making this, this amount of money? And is it possible for you to do it too? It's like going and, and learning answers, a new language. Yes. You don't have to speak the same things that I speak, but I'll teach you how to talk, you know? Yeah. That's, I'll teach you how to talk good. There's the ad right there, man. Okay. Teach you how to talk good like my grandpappy. Yeah, we talked talk real good me. in there this morning. That's right. All right, it's getting weird now. Let's go. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. Go to mastermytrades.com to learn more, folks. That's all you got to do if you just want to learn, right? It's free. It's because it, even if you do continue on in the membership, that money is coming from somewhere else. That means it's free. Yeah. And don't, as Jeff said, don't trade the ERB on Thursday. And you'll know that if you're in the class. If you're in the class, you'll know what that means. Don't do it. Don't do it. Not good on Thursday. Mm -mm. Okay. Right now it's break even basically. On Thursday. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you guys enjoyed today's show. So please, like I said, go sign up mastermytrades.com. Also hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Mm -hmm. That's where I want you to hit the subscribe button because that's the only one that exists these days. The rest of them for the podcast and everything else, that is a follow button. So hit that subscribe and follow button wherever you can find it. Please, I'm begging you, share the show with a friend, with the family, with the children. They need to hear this Liberty message now more than ever. You know, I've been listening recently to these debates. Also, if you guys didn't, if you guys heard our Lions of Liberty show that we did over the weekend, um, we were a... I guess we were a guest or something. I, I don't know what we were. We pay for their friendship. We pay for, we pay for Mark's friendship every now and then. And so, uh, we, you know, we kind of had a little debate and I, you know, I became a little pessimistic <laughs> realizing that more than likely the system is probably going to collapse. You know, there's going to be a great reset. It just, it's just what happens in history. But you know, what gives me hope is the fact that when that does happen, hopefully there's enough liberty-loving people that we can bring this all together, which is why you have to share it with the children. Said yeah. all that to say, share it with the children so that they understand the principles of liberty so that when it does reset, we can set up a system that revolves itself around liberty. Yeah. And then we all have good mornings. I love Costco's cracking me up. And I just, I actually just saw the last part of Costco's name, which is professional Chuck hater. Nice. So I kept reading it and I was like, geez, that's mean. And then I, somewhere, I was like, oh, that's mean. I'm like, oh, the name says professional Chuck hater. You're doing a great job. Yeah. People, honestly, people hate when I'm on the show. So I really appreciate that. So share the show for Nate. Okay. If it's, if it's not for, it me, for me, do it for Nate. Do it for me. Do it for him. Okay. Go to, they hate me with love. Thanks. Uh, go to good morning, Liberty, good morning, Liberty .com. You guys do all of those things. Nate will be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.